Good morning, Foothill Bible Church of Upland. Come on, woo! All right, what a joy it is to be here with you guys and to open the Word of God and to be a missionary of your church. So I want to let you know that by partnering with us, you are now impacting East Africa. Is that awesome? Come on, you can clap. Uh Uh-huh. We praise the Lord for that. And, And I have some of you, we wanted to see who was really godly and come to Sunday school when we're changing the clock a different direction. And not all of you were godly this morning, we wanted to tell you. But so I want to just quickly tell you about myself. But before that, can I introduce a few people to you? Even before I do that, I just want to say, Art Nakamura, Kim Nakamura are so dear. Uh, I hope you guys love them as much as I do. I've had the privilege for the last 14 years of just t- giving updates. And every time, Art has always been, Shannon, tell me more, tell me more, and loving us from here. And I just want to say, Art, thank you for being such a sweet friend. And I am so excited for the partnership, if anything, so I can continue to build a relationship and continue to learn from you and, and build that bond from brother to like true, true, deep family. And thank you for loving me. Thank you for being a part of our ministry there in Uganda and praying for us as I know you have for so long. So I praise the Lord for that joy. I have a great special love for that family Partly because of the fact that I am standing here today because someone decided to go door to door 30 some odd years ago, maybe four, no, it was over 40 years ago, to go and knock on the door of my parents' house and invite them to church. And because Dorothy Cush did that so many years ago, I'm standing up here today. And so can we praise the Lord for that? And uh, it had been several years since I had seen her. And and honestly, I I couldn't wait to see her, just to give her a hug and and just say, thank you, thank you, thank you. And when you hear the story, we were like, they were going to be done for the day. And so let's just do one more door. And so when I'm preaching someplace, I'm saying, guys, just do one more door, because you never know. And, and, and it, guys, we praise the Lord. And we don't do those things much anymore, but whatever it takes, let's tell people about Christ. Amen? And so uh, let me introduce My mom and dad are right here. Uh, Pat and Diane, that's who they came. They came to their door, which was literally a block right up in the next, between 16th and 18th, same between Wilson and Mount, no, Mountain and Benson, so right there. And so uh, I was born and raised, and literally we went to Upland Bible Church. And so what a joy it is to then. So I've always wanted and kind of dreamt to stand right here behind this pulpit because there's nothing more special than your own people saying, Shannon, we affirm you. And so what a joy, what an honor it is to be part of your church. I can't wait to let my family be introduced to all of you, and, uh, and it's just a sweet thing. My brother and sister, uh, are in lo- my sister-in-law, brother, it's all the same. Brother and sister are here as well. There's Melissa. Is Shane here too? There he is right there. Shane, you're getting older. No. <laughs> and and my, my, uh, 
my nephews and niece, my nieces are here. So right here, Shane and Melissa right there. There they are. And I uh, love and adore them. Shane is my twin. So you can tell automatically, I'm sure. But uh, thank you guys for being here. And one other person I want to uh, introduce you guys to. Many of you can't see them. But right up here is Greg and Kathy Lether. And, uh, and so uh, I, there, Greg was my junior high teacher and became my best friend and, and like a spiritual mentor to me. And, uh, and so he is here. And so what a joy it is to be here with him. And so what, a, what an awesome thing. And uh, we are serving the Lord in Uganda. Uh, for some of you that don't know about Uganda, it's in East Africa. So we were, Brita, Brita, uh, we were colonized by the British. And so uh, the official language in Uganda is English. And we have two major missions. One is to reach our community for Christ. I've been there for 14 years uh, 11 years I've lived in that little village. It was as pagan as any village ever. People were, Africans were afraid to go there because it was so secularized and so violent. Today, 11 years later, you have seen an absolute transformation by the grace of God in that little village. Amen? And it's become because of one message. Jesus is king. Jesus is king. That's been the simple message, and his way is the best, and people have come to embrace that message, come to learn to follow him as king, and as a result of that, our, uh, our people, I mean, it's just amazing to see, and everybody will give testimony, whether a believer or unbeliever, that the Lord is transformed. We, are, we have a mayor that's, uh, I'm using our terms, that's Muslim. And he loves us because he's seen the transformation from drunkards to workers and, uh, and is so delighted over what God has done. And, uh, and the second goal we have is to strengthen churches throughout Uganda. And as you see, we're working with the Baptist Union. And from that Baptist Union, we've been able to strengthen this whole denomination. I work with the president. He came to me and said, Shannon, I need your help. Please work closely with me and lead this denomination. And so uh, that's what we're doing. And you just say, how in the world would God take someone from Upland uh, and begin to use him for his name's sake? And the answer to that is only one thing, but by the grace of God. Amen? And so what a joy it is to be here and, uh, and worship with you. So thank you guys for entrusting yourself with me. Thank you, elders. Uh, I don't know where... The elders are anybody here, by the way, from Upland Bible Days? Anyone? Okay, keep raising those hands. I don't see if I recognize any faces. Uh, I, and where is Bernie? Is he around? He's sick. Okay, I was thinking Bernie. Is it Bernie Sanders? No, it's not Bernie Sanders. <laughs> Bernie Seston. Okay. Uh, so you know, it's it, it is so sweet just just to see God's love and kindness, but I, to give him a hug, and, and I go, oh, I remember your wife, and oh my goodness, she passed away, but I wanted to know, is their son, the children, what's going on there, and, and the Smiths, Preston and Joan Smith, who, uh, they have supported our ministry for many years, oh, the love that you feel when you're, you're loved by people who you, you knew when you were a kid, and I, I used to be in pajamas at Upland Bible Church, right in the back. It was kind of embarrassing. I think my parents dressed us all in the same pajamas, which is even more embarrassing. 
But man, what a, what a joy it is to be here. Well, this is not about me. It is about Christ. It is about his word. And I want to take you to a very familiar passage. But don't think it's so familiar that you don't know it. Because I want to share with you the theology behind the Great Commission. And I'm praying that God will move us this morning. And with great precision, be about his mission. Open your Bibles as we see the words of the authoritative king spoken to us in Matthew 28. Matthew 28. And I want to read with you, starting in verse 16. Matthew 28, starting in verse 16. Let's read his word together. But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some were doubtful. And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I've lived in Uganda now for 14 years. And I can honestly look back and, and, and at America as if it's not my country in some ways. Uh, because so much has changed. And in many ways you can look and go, oh my goodness, what is going on in this country? You can be a little bit bewildered. Morality has changed. And once America was a shade for the world, and now it's now all of a sudden promoting things that are not helpful. And you could sit as a Christian and wonder, what am I to do? Why is this happening? What am I to do? How did we get here, and, and what is our responsibility to it? Some of you who are here even this morning, you're saying, okay, well, Shannon, what are you about, and what are you doing in Uganda? And I could be looking at you saying, hey, so uh, what are you doing, and what are you about? Well, this passage gives us all direction. And when you actually get into the middle and the heart of this passage, you realize it's giving direction also to people who are very bewildered at the moment. So at, to guide our thinking this morning, what I want to do is I want to show you four components of this text. Four components just to guide our thinking, okay? How many? Four. And you're allowed to interact. It's cool to do that. Make me feel like I'm in Uganda, all right? The reason I like interaction is because I don't want you sleeping. And uh, if you sleep, then I've wasted my time, so we don't want to do that. 
So I love the interaction, but I want to show you four components, and I want to start first with the background. I want you to see this passage. I want to put you in this passage. Again, look with me at the background, verses 16 and 17. We want to see God's word. So look there again with me. Let's see this background again. I'm going to read it again. But the 11 disciples proceeded to where? To Galilee. To the mountain which Jesus had designated. When they saw him, they what? But some were doubtful. Here's the background. Now, when we look at this passage, we understand that this takes place after the death of Christ. And if we understand what's going on in the minds of the disciples, remember that they followed Jesus for three and a half years. And I want to suggest to you that they followed him probably somewhat aimlessly. Partly because they knew he was the Messiah and Jesus said, come and what? Follow me. So they picked up their nets and they followed him. Now in their minds, they knew that he was what? The Messiah. Everybody, they knew he was what? The Messiah. I'm giving you the answer. So, uh, They knew he was the Messiah. So that means in their mind, and we know from the New Testament, that they knew that Jesus was going to reign as their king. Now, in their minds, they thought that Jesus was going to come and overthrow who? The Romans. He's going to overthrow the Romans, and then all of a sudden, what was going to happen? He was going to sit on the throne. So in their minds, they knew that there was some upside to following Jesus. At first, it was going to be hard, but there was some upside. And, and even as Jesus, a few days, a week earlier, is coming into the temple, he's on this donkey, everybody's saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, and the disciples are thinking, oh yeah, baby, we're going to benefit. It's coming. And remember, they're jockeying for position. Hey, uh, can I sit on the right? Can I sit on the left? Do you remember this? They're wanting their positions. They're fighting already, man. And so this is what's going on. And, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Jesus is what? Dead. Crucified. And now they're absolutely bewildered. All of their dreams and all that they were thinking. And we know that because they're sitting around, you know, licking each other's wounds. And then all of a sudden they hear, wait a second, and Jesus has risen from the dead. They all run out there and, and, and they find, okay, he's risen from the dead. And, and, and they're, they're like, well, he said he was going to do that. I mean, there, there's total confusion. They're not understanding anything that's going on, even though Jesus said it, right? Well, we know according to the Bible that they don't really know what to do because they went where Jesus went. Jesus is now not with them, so they don't know what to do. So what did they do? According to John 21, 3, they go back fishing. Which shows you that they didn't really know what to do, right? Somewhere along the way, according to this account, we see that these 11 disciples are told to go to where? Galilee. Now, I've been to Galilee. If you have not been to Israel, what are you waiting for? You gotta go. 
And uh, because your Bible comes alive. When you're in Galilee, there's the lake, and then there are really hills all the way around. So it says that they were told to go to the mountain which Jesus had designated. We have no idea what that mountain is, and it really doesn't even matter. If it mattered, it would be in the text, right? But you can envision they're up on this mountain. And so we're kind of up on a mountain here. And so just envision this mountain, and there Jesus, I mean, there the disciples are. They're sitting there. And according to the text, there are two responses when they see him. Verse 17 says, the first response is what? They worshiped him. Some people are saying, Shannon, well, wait a second here. Why? Why did they worship him? The reason they worshiped him is because they knew that this Jesus was God. He had just risen from the dead. They had put their hands in his side and in his hands. They, they knew that he was the Messiah. They knew that this one was to be honored and, 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 and to be stood in awe of, to be exalted. I, I think, and, and who knows what the Spirit of God was doing in the hearts of these individuals. I think they're there, they see Jesus, and wow, their hearts are like just overflowing. Not even knowing how to respond, but we know that some worship him. Because Jesus wasn't any man. He was the king of kings and lord of lords. He was the great God of, of, he was the creator. He was the one to whom said still water and So of course they worshipped him. It was interesting, the other day I was studying Genesis 1. And as I'm studying Genesis 1, I'm preaching in Matthew. And here he's saying, let there be water, and here they're saying, water be still. And you're like, of course, how could they not see that this was the creator, right? And he even said that. That's why John in his gospel, when he starts telling about Jesus, he doesn't start in Bethlehem. He starts where? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, Right? And so, of course, they worshipped him. I think they stood in awe. I think that they were, I mean, they were overwhelmed with the reality of who Christ was. But I love the Bible because, according to the Bible, not everyone worshipped. Some were doubtful. Some might say, well, why were they doubtful? I think they were doubtful because they were still in shock. Can I touch him again? I mean, is this really happening I mean, it must have been extremely hard to get your mind around all of this. What is happening? Why? We know that after, before the resurrection of Jesus, that all of these disciples understood. But according to this text, this is the response that's taking place. Now, it says... That's when they saw him. And then it says that Jesus, in verse 18, he came up and spoke to them. So I think this is the picture. And I think it's good for us to see the picture. I think the disciples are here. All of a sudden, they go to this hill. And maybe he just, poof, he appears. And he's coming up. And they have this response. And I think what he does, I think he goes and he comes up and he walks right past them. Just like this. 
And he turns around and he looks at his disciples. And he gives us the second component of this text. And that is the announcement. Now, look at me here for a second. So often we have spoken about the Great Commission and never fully understood it because we've never understood the announcement. I love the slogan that Jesus is the answer. I love that slogan. But I really believe because people don't understand the Great Commission, they don't understand the, the, the reality. I think some people use it as a cliche. But I want to declare to you that Jesus is the answer. And I can give personal testimony of his transforming work in a community. And the sweetness. And every American can do the same thing because you benefit from a Christianized constitution. Here Jesus comes and gives this announcement. I want to draw your attention to this glory announcement. As Jesus stood before his disciples and declared this truth, I want to declare it to you here and now. So listen up closely. Here is Jesus' announcement to his disciples. Here it is. All what? All what? Authority has been given what? A little louder has been given what? In heaven and what? And on earth. <laughs> you can imagine. He comes, walks before him, and he stands. And I, 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 I don't, he doesn't say what he did, but I would assume he's like this, you know? All authority in heaven and what? on earth has been given to me. Here is his massive declaration. You say, first of all, what does this word authority mean? Well, authority is rule. It's power. It's to be in charge. All power, all Rule has been given to me. Not some, not a little, but what? All. All power in heaven, all authority in heaven and on earth, everywhere has been given to me. In essence, he's saying this. I am now the King of kings and Lord of lords. I am now the king of all things. You see, Jesus came, and on the cross, it said on his cross, what? King of what? No, it said king of Jews. And Jesus says, <laughs> I'm not just the king of the Jews. I'm the king of kings. You say, well, wait a second here. How did he get this? Who gave it to him? 
how did he become the king of kings? To whom was, who gave it? Well, turn your Bibles to Daniel chapter 7. This shouldn't have been surprising to anyone. Daniel chapter 7. Look with me at a prophecy given hundreds of years before the coming of Christ. And this is perfectly inserted in Daniel's gospel speaking of the future events to come. Right in this time period when you follow the whole prophecy, it's clear this is what's going to take place. Look what he says in verse 13. I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like what? The Son of Man was coming. Now, pause there for a moment. What was Jesus' favorite term concerning himself? Son of Man. One, it wasn't controversial. You said son of God, you were just creating blasphemy. Son of man was just saying like, he's a man. But with son of man made a direct link to what? Daniel 7. One like a son of man was coming. And he came up to who? The ancient of days. That is the father. And was presented before him, and now look what it says, verse 14. And to him was given what? Dominion, glory, and a kingdom. That all the peoples and nations and men of every language might what? Might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. Amen and amen. That's why in Philippians chapter 2, it is also said, for this reason, God highly, that's God the Father, highly exalted him, that is Jesus Christ, and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of, Come on, there we go. We're waking up. you got to say, Jesus, woo! Come on, ready? Jesus. Woo! We're going to get there. Come on, we're going to get there. But at the name of Jesus, woo! Every knee shall what? On, on, in heaven and on. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is... To the glory of God the Father. This is the declaration. I am Lord. I am King. He's telling his disciples. I'm ruler of heaven and earth. I have a far position, far greater position than just King of Israel. I am the King over all things. This is what was promised, and it's now happened. I am that Son of Man promised. That's why as Jesus goes to the cross, he says, you're going to see the Son of Man coming in 
glory, in the clouds of glory as he goes to the cross, referring that I myself, next time you see me, you'll see me coming in the clouds. I will show you that I'm this king. Guys, this is so far beyond our minds, we can't even comprehend it, I understand, but it is so practical to every part of what we do. Let me just show you one more passage just to kind of tickle your brain. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 Corinthians 15, 24 through 28. Let me just read it for you. And I hope we don't trip. It's so crazy. It talks about Jesus raising from the dead and being the first fruits. And then in verse 24, it says, Then comes the end. 1 Corinthians 15, 24. Then comes the end. When he hands over the kingdom of the God and Father, when, when he hands over the kingdom to the, the God and Father. So here, everything is given to Christ, and then he's saying this, then comes the end when he, that is Christ, hands over the kingdom to who? God the Father. When he is established, well, that's when Christ is established, abolished, I'm sorry, all rule and all authority and power. He must reign, that is, Christ must reign until he has put all things under his feet. The last enemy that will be is abolished is death. And we can continue to go through verse, just keep going, verse 27. For he has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when he says all things are put in subjection, it is evident that he is expected who put all things in subjection to him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself also will subject, be subjected to the one who subjected all things to him so that God may be all in all. Somehow, here Christ as king has a responsibility. His responsibility is to bring everything on earth under subjection under his what? Feet. When he does that, he turns the kingdom back over to the Father. That's what it says. You understand that? I don't understand it either, but I understand this. That God, Christ, has been given now the position as King of Kings from the Father. To do what? To put all things underneath the rule of himself. Now, Pause here for a moment. Let's get this into our minds because you can't understand the Great Commission until you understand this. And I want you to see it practically. And this must change our worldview. In, in Uganda, the first phase of our training, we help them understand the gospel and Christian living. Because most people don't understand Christianity. My dear friends, let me help you understand something. This is not your world. This is the Father's what? world. We are in his kingdom. And in this world in which he made it, we're in his kingdom. And most of the world believe is, is part of the dominion or the kingdom of Satan. But from this dominion of Satan, God calls people out of darkness and into what? His marvelous light. 
calls them from following Satan to following himself. And all who are his, they, in the center of their being, because the Spirit of God resides, there is this burning, insatiable passion and reality that Christ is king. He is ruler. He is master. That is Christianity. When I come to Christ, I bend the knee to Jesus as what? As Lord. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Uh, Romans chapter 8 says that if we believe in our heart, and I sometimes when I quote, I, all of a sudden, let me just say it so I don't obliterate the text. Romans chapter, I'm sorry, 10, 8 and 9 says this. Let me start in verse 9. If you confess with your mouth Jesus as what? As what? That same word is the word king. It's the same idea. As master. And believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You will be saved. Confession and lordship are hand in hand. You can't separate them. Because to acknowledge him is to bend the knee to him. To acknowledge him is to surrender to him. And therefore, my dear friends, the center of your worldview, the center of everything in your thinking must be God as king, God as king, God as... And I'm here as just a servant of what? The favorite terminology of the disciples was bondservant. I am just a bondservant of the king. And that should be our favorite term as well. He is the universal king. And this truth should drive everything about our ministries, everything about this church, everything about your parenting. I tell my kids from the time they were young, kids, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Why? Because we're going into the presence of what? The king. And that's the only way. In the Buganda kingdom, if you were to go and meet the king, you'd have to, you'd have to come with humility and you could and you'd have to come with you couldn't even look. You'd have to come down like this and lay prostrate before him and if you were to come out of the kingdom you would back up you wouldn't look you'd back up like this and this is a man how much more for the king of kings and lord of lords so to understand the great commission is to understand the great declaration the great announcement because look at the first, the next words go back to matthew 28 Look at the ver words that we're so familiar. The next word in verse 19 is the word what? Therefore. It's literally, in, in the Greek it would be, therefore, go. Or literally you would say this, therefore, make disciples. Everybody say that with me. Therefore, what? And then he gives three participles. Going, baptizing, teaching. 
How do you make disciples? He tells you, going, baptizing, teaching. So let's now transition to the therefore. Let's now transition to the instruction. The third component is instruction. Are we together? Smile. Okay, good. Let's come to the instruction, verse 19. Let's see it together. Therefore, go, and let me just read it the way it is. Go, therefore, and what? Make disciples of all, especially Uganda. You see it there. So good, you guys are walking in obedience. Okay, I'm adding to Scripture. Uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Notice it's one name, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded. We're going to see this together. The exhortation or the command, Jesus comes and commands his disciples. So here in their aimlessness, he gives them total direction. I'm giving you a command. I am the Thank you. I am the kids. I am the king. God is the king. See him on that throne, kids. And his way is the best. Say that with me, kids. His way is the? Say this. God is king. His way is the? Mom, you're not a kid. Let me illustrate this for you really quickly. Here is God's way. And we could see this in our own government. In our own, there was a day we understood that God was king. And his way is the best. So here is God's way. Outside here is pain and suffering. All in here is pain and suffering. And the goal is to get people in God's way. The Bible says to go and make what? Disciples. Sometimes we theologicalize these things and we just don't make them simple. Let me give you a better word than disciples. Give me another word, can you? Followers. So check it out. God is king. Go into all of the nations and make what? Followers. Simple. Make followers. Grab them out of the world, out of the dominion of Satan, and bring them where? Give them, bring them under the supremacy of God. Under his lordship, under his kingship. We're to go make followers. This is the greatest commission, and I want to tell you, this is the greatest good of man. Why does he want us to make followers? Because he loves mankind. He stood over Jerusalem with his hands out saying, oh, come to me, all ye weary and heavy laden. Let me help you find what? Rest. He wept over Jerusalem. All he wanted, I'm the king. Let me suggest to you, this is what he's wanted from the beginning of time in the garden. He says, look, here's the garden. Enjoy the garden. Man said, no, I want to be the king. I want to be like you. So they didn't experience the joy of the garden, but rather what? The pain of the weeds. So he, he, gets, he gets Israel as a nation and says, come, I'll give you blessing. 
just acknowledge me as what? Your king. And we know according to 1 Samuel chapter 9, 8 and 9, they wanted a king like all the other nations. God over and over sent prophets to say, if you follow me and my word, you'll be blessed. They rejected the blessing and experienced cursing. The same thing happens when Christ come, came. We took the king and we nailed him to a cross. That's how much we rejected his rule. Jesus is going to return as a what? King. On this earth. And never forget it. And he will rule. And you know what's going to happen to the nations? They will experience blessing. Just look at Zechariah chapter 12 through 14. Then we will one day live in the eternal kingdom. All who bent the knee and surrendered themselves to the lordship of Christ. My dear friends... The mission that we have, the mission that these aimless disciples have, the mission that we aimless, and I may say it that way, disciples have. Because look, the world is the way the world is because we're not doing our job. Remember, we are the salt of the... We have a responsibility our responsibility is to go make followers. Make followers of Christ. Go to all the nations and make followers. This is our mission. The calling is that the world might know there is a king. And that they might know the joy of being under his shepherding care. This is the message I brought to my village. And this is the message that has transformed our village for their good. Now, let me show you. He says us, how are we to go? How are we to make disciples? He tells us three things. First, by what? Going. First participle, second participle, and there, the INGs. I wish going was an ING in there, but it's not. Second one is by baptizing. Third one is by teaching. There are three things you must do. First, you must what? Go. And dear friends, we have to go. We have to go. You've got to go like Dorothy Cush did and knock on that door. You've got to go to one more. Come on. You've got to go to one more. You are only the only hope the world has. If you don't go and tell the world that Jesus is king, who will? You need to go to everyone. You need to go to those who are gay because my brother is gay. He needs Jesus. He needs to know that his lifestyle is not going to bring joy, but God's way is going to bring joy. He needs you to go. 
You need to go to people who are not like yourself. Sometimes I wonder what we're doing as the church. We don't want to go to anyone that doesn't already believe what we believe. And you think to myself, well, wait a second here. Isn't that the mission? <laughs> go, go, go. And if you saw Jesus stand here, he's telling you, make disciples, go. Go where? To all nations. At this time, the only believers in Christ were in Jerusalem. Do you understand? There have been many people who have gone before us into all these different nations. All of you guys, you think you're American, but you're fake. You're not really American. There's a Japanese guy right there. I'm an Ita- My mom's Italian. Oh, goodness. God saves Italians? I'm 50% Italian. That's why I talk with my hands. But we got to go everywhere. And, and you understand that we have been impacted by people going. We too must go. Can I just encourage you a simple thing? Disciple one person a year. One. If we all do that, the amount of people that are in this church, we should double it by next year, right? I've been coming to this church. I pop in every once in a while just to see. Last time I was here, it actually looked a little bit bigger. I'm thinking that some people slept in today. You should be doubled by then because it was a year ago. Guys, we must go. Second thing we must do is baptize. Baptize is where they die to themselves and they then raise to what? Christ. Life. Whatever you want to say. It's where they declare their lordship. That they are no longer living for themselves. They are now living for King Jesus. And we're familiar with this. But there is a third command that's given here. And the third one, the third, not command, but the third participle here is teaching. I want you to see this because I think it's important we see it so that we understand. Look at verse 20. Teaching them to know. Is that what it says? Come on, help me. Is that what it says? No, that's not what it says. It says teaching them to what? Observe all that I have commanded. Sometimes we have been too content to make sure that they know but not concerned enough to know that they what? Some of what he commanded or what? All of what they commanded. Christ wants to rule. To observe all that he's commanded. I want you to understand this, dear friends, that the call to Christ is not a call to say a prayer. He is calling us to change, to see, calling us to change our lifestyles. He's calling us to follow after him as that king. He's calling us to observe all that he has commanded. To not call people to change a lifestyle is to not understand what Jesus is saying, not understand the Great Commission. Christianity is when someone surrenders themselves to the Lordship of Christ. To not follow him as Lord is to not be a Christian. 
Oh, please understand this. As a young boy, I understood this. Please understand this. You cannot have him Savior when you don't surrender your life to him. Please. To surrender your life is to wake up every day and say, God, no matter what the circumstances, how can I live for you today? How do you want me to speak to my wife? How do you want me to speak to my kids? How do you want me to speak to the government In all things he's commanded, we have yielded our allegiance to him. Why? That we might be lights in this dark world. Dear friends, this is our calling. This commission is to all disciples. You say, well, wait a second. It's to the 11. No, no, hold on a second. He says, I will be with you, you, even to the end of what? The disciples are dead. This is referring to disciples then and throughout what? The ages. This is referring to you and I. Let me help you. Let me help me. This changes everything from the moment we go home. You know what that little boy needs? He needs a leader that's going to help him follow what? The king. He needs, your wife needs a leader that's going to help you follow. So when our wives are being a little more emotional, we're understanding, we're compassionate. But we help them get from there to what? Follow the king. When our kids are being kids, that's fine. But we help them get from there to follow what? The king. When you're a boss, they don't have to be Christians, but we know that God's way is the best. So employee that's lazy and slothful, that's not following the king. So we're going to take them from where they're at to follow what? This is practical. In everything we do, our discipleship starts where? At home. I love the idea that David was a man after God's heart. You know what made David a man after God's own heart? Wasn't his perfection. It was the fact that he obeyed God's word and led the nation to obey God's word. And that's why Israel was blessed. Look at Saul. Look at why he was rejected. It's because he would not obey the words of God. There are many leaders in this congregation, all with the same responsibility. There's a king. Go make followers of what? That king. Oh, dear friends, this is the mission and help them observe all that God has commanded. Let me just say this. It's what God has commanded, not what we have commanded. What has killed Christianity in certain decades is that we're getting them to follow man-made rules. That doesn't help. God's way is the best. So let's just point them there. I always say parenting, there's a lot of rules in parenting. You ever read these books? 50 million rules. Oh, my goodness. And when Jesus says, my way is, you know, is easy and light, you're like, ah. Man makes things burdensome. 
Bible says like three things. Don't exasperate, train, spank. You know, I mean, it's pretty simple. And I always say this, look. <laughs> I mean, it just says to us men, love our wives. I mean, it shouldn't be that difficult, right? <laughs> but in the end of the day, just do what he says and trust him to do the rest. Right? I had a friend who was going to a psychologist, and I said, let me ask you, bud. If you do all that the Bible says you're to do as a husband, do you think you'll have a happy marriage? What was his answer? Yes. So go do it. My dear friends, it doesn't mean it's easy. It's hard. But that's why he ends with the fourth component, and that is the promise. And I'm just going to leave this with you. He says, I Literally, I, I, myself, will be with you always, even to the end of the age. Sitting there in Africa, having partnered with a corrupt guy, not knowing what in the world I'm going to do with my family. But I know that God is with me, what? Always. Oh, our ministry's crazy. Some of you say, this guy's crazy. Who did you guys get here as a minister? Hey, look, we're crazy. But with a strong faith in a God who is with us. So whatever you're doing in your parenting, God's with you. And your teaching, God is with you. Don't be a wimp chicken baby. Know that God is with you. You are victorious. He's with you, and he's with you always. Oh, dear friends, let's get on mission. Fill this church. There are too many empty seats here. Am I right? Go. Get a part of the dragging ministry. You say, what's that? It's where you go out and you drag people to church. You say, why do you drag them? Because they're not going to come. They're unbelievers. So what do you got to do? Drag them. All right? Yes. You say, well, that's not spirit-led. Well, do it in a spirit-led way. (laughs) We are too passive. My dear friends, love truth. But do the most loving thing you can possibly do and help them know that Jesus is the king and his way is the let's pray father we come to you in full acknowledgement of your majesty in full acknowledgement that we are all unworthy servants to know you in full acknowledgement that there is no one that can come under your lordship until they are set free from their sin and made born again by the grace and power of your word. And so living God by your mercy and grace, may you cause a transforming work in the hearts of every person here by your grace that they might know you and love you and follow you That we can go into the kingdom having said, having seen your face, knowing that we 
are yours because we've spent a life serving you. Oh God, set people free from sin by your kindness and help them know the joy of following you. Help us in this country as people are are running from you. Father, I pray that you would not enable people to undo our constitution, that we can still have the graces of your rule in this country. Lord, I pray that you would be with the political leaders who are appointed. Lord, use a donkey if you need to, but preserve this country that we might continue to experience the freedoms of serving you and help us in this critical hour as the church while the door is still open to go with your message and make great followers of a great king. We ask this by your grace. And I just pray for our mission in Uganda. Provide for it. Cause the expansion of your name. Bring many Africans into that kingdom. For the praise and glory and honor of your name we pray. Amen.